0: This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit walkwiththeking.org forward slash donate. Thank you for listening. All right, thank you very much. And hello again, dear radio friends. How in the world are you? You doing all right today? Well, I'm fine, thank you. I got no complaints at all. Hallelujah. ha. <laughs> Glad to be alive and serving my blessed Lord. And so thankful, may I say, that you are there on the listening end. All right, we're looking at Mark chapter 3. And uh, the uh, Lord Jesus has has uh, chosen his apostles and has come back now probably to Simon Peter's house. And The multitude came together again, it says, so they could not so much as eat bread. They were so busy they couldn't even have a meal. When his friends heard of it, that word friends means kinfolk, all the laws and in-laws, they went out to lay hold on him, for they said, He is beside himself. And the scribes and the Pharisees, uh, the scribes which came down from Jerusalem, said, He hath Beelzebub, that's another name for Satan, and by the prince of the demons he casts out demons. we get into his answer a little later on, but I want to show you a couple of things. Criticism comes from a number of different sources. If you go back into uh, 1 Samuel 17, you find the source of criticism there is pretty well uh, lined out in uh, what happened to David when his father uh, sent him with the food to uh, help feed his brothers who were in the war. Uh, And uh, his elder brothers were offended because David said, Why doesn't somebody go out and kill this giant? And Eliab, his elder brother, when he heard what David said, he said, "Why camest thou down hither? With whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness?" Number one, they'll they'll uh, criticize your work. Those few sheep in the wilderness, they'll criticize your work. Then he says, "I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart." They'll criticize your character, and then. He says, Thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. They'll criticize your motives. In 1 Samuel 17, verse 28, you have that threefold criticism. People will criticize your work or your character or your motives or all of the above. Now, over in Mark 3, you have something quite similar, although just a little different. Uh, Our Lord Jesus was criticized because he healed this man with the withered hand, healed him on the Sabbath day. He went against religious routine. People were more interested in keeping their routines than they were in helping anybody. And of course, this uh, this human nature factor continues to this very day, as you know. I had a young man call on me one time, a few years ago, while I was still at the college, serving as president. He came into the office, and he was literally in tears. Tears just just coming out of his eyes. He couldn't stop crying. I said, "What's the matter?" He said, I got fired yesterday. Why? I said, you just began there. Yeah, he said, I know, but they fired me. Young pastor, here's what had happened. And he didn't realize that when you come into a church, you have to make changes slowly. <laughs> Bless his heart. You know, you give yourself three years to make any drastic changes in any church when you come in, pastor. Don't come in swinging, because you'll go out, they'll swing you out. They'll say, brother, we were here when you came, and we're going to be here after you're gone. <laughs> So he made that mistake. He tried to change things a little too fast. And one of the things he changed, it seems, is that he put, instead of the doxology at the beginning of the service, uh, where it ordinarily is in many churches, he changed it to uh, come right after the offering, and he had the offering at the end of the service. Well, now, there's nothing sinful about that, except that it broke up a routine that had been in uh, practice for Who knows how many years, and the dear people were absolutely upset, and they fired him summarily. Well, of course, he got over his grief, and uh, we helped a little bit and found him another place to minister, and he's doing very well now after the years have gone by. Yes, uh, Pastor, let me remind you, don't try to make strategic changes in anything until you have gained the love and confidence of your people, that takes a while. You specialize in preaching the Word of God, expository preaching, three calls a day. Go some uh, to tell somebody about the Lord Jesus three times a day, thousand calls a year. Don't let your frustrations get into your sermons, and love the people. Oh, Dr. Maxwell, uh, who was one of my profs at Eastern Baptist Seminary many years ago, he was... Uh, I guess in uh, approaching his 80s then and still very vigorous and got up at 5 o'clock every morning to work in his garden and all that sort of a thing. Remarkable man. He used to say to us as he looked at us, Now, brethren, he says, remember, love the people and wait for the undertaker. (laughs) Well, I, I, I would shorten that sentence and just say love the people. Love your people. And they'll respond to you with love and they'll acknowledge your leadership as you go on. Well, that was a detour, but I threw it in free. No charge. So one source of criticism here, quite evidently, was that the Lord Jesus dared to go counter to religious rules and routines, and it upset them no end, so much so that the Pharisees went out and got together with their traditional enemies, the Herodians. They wouldn't be seen with a Herodian otherwise, but now they got together with him, plotting to kill this man, how they might destroy him. That word destroy means kill. Religious people can have murder in their hearts. Did you know that? Oh, yes. So they were plotting uh, with their traditional enemies. They got together on the basis of their hatred for somebody else. Well, now, uh, down into the chapter, it says the multitude came together again so much that they could not so much as eat bread. And when his kinsmen heard of it they went out to lay hold on him, but they said he's beside himself. Second criticism is that he went against the prevailing idea that religion should never interfere with uh, ordinary creature comforts or your daily schedule. You'd be surprised how many people live on the basis that uh, religion's all right but don't let it you know don't run it in the ground don't don't overemphasize it um, and that's a pity. Because, you see, Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things shall be added unto you, food and shelter and clothing <clears throat> and the necessities of life and security for your future. All these things, he said, uh, that'll be added if you put God first. All the way through the Bible, you have this truth uh, uh, taught. <clears throat> you remember going back into the Old Testament when Elijah was sent After the brook had dried up during the the drought, the three-year drought that uh, came to Israel, and uh, Elijah lived alongside of the brook for a while and drank of the brook and the ravens brought him food at morning and night. Remember that? Well, the brook dried up and God said, you go to such and such a town, I've commanded a widow lady to feed you there. Now, ordinarily, widows, unless uh, they were taken care of by some relatives, didn't have very much Uh, To look forward to, except extreme poverty. And in this case, the lady to whom he went told him frankly, she said, I'm gathering a couple of uh, pieces of wood, I'm going to make a fire, and cook the last morsel of food we have in the house, and after that we have to starve. He said, Don't worry. He said, Go and do as thou hast said, but make me, said he, a little cake first. The nerve of, of some man saying to a lady who was preparing to starve to death, You feed me a little first. Well, What's the point? And God says, you put me first and I'll take care of you. It's that simple. You put me first and I'll take care of you. God will indeed take care of his own. And so the Lord Jesus was busy about the work of God, so busy that ordinary routine things were set aside, things such as eating meals. They were simply set aside. And people said, why? He is beside himself. He's He doesn't have both oars in the water. He isn't even taking time to eat. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, here you have the second source of criticism. When you dare to put God first over against the usual routines of life. First source was the routines of religion. Second, the re- usual routines of life. And then, of course, the scribes came down from Jerusalem; these know-it-all folk who were experts in the Mosaic law, but whose hearts were hard against God, and and they couldn't they couldn't explain the power by which He was delivering people from the the grip of Satan, and so all they could do was to ascribe the power to Satan himself, and and so in so doing, they committed blasphemy. They said he hath Beelzebub—that's another name for the devil—and by the prince of the demons he casts out demons. So here are the three sources of criticism: if you go against religious routines, if if your activities for God go against the prevailing notion that religion shouldn't interfere with creature comforts and ordinary living, and if you are manifesting the power of God over and above, uh, what? Uh, can be done by ordinary, busy people in religion, you're going to get criticized. Now, what about criticism? Let's take a minute just to talk about it. Number one, expect it. If you're doing anything for God, you'll get criticized by somebody. Expect it. Number two, don't fight it. Learn from it. Uh, Most of the criticism I've gotten in my life, I deserved. I don't know about you. But most of the criticism I've received in my lifetime, I've deserved and I could learn by it if I had the sense to listen and to, and to learn. Number one, expect to be criticized. Number two, don't fight it. Learn by it. Number three, love your critic. Return love. You, uh, you know, you'd be surprised how, how shocked a critic will be if you, if you dare to agree with him or her. <laughs> I've done that many a time. People would be saying something critical and I'd say, you know, I agree with you. Uh, And if I were in your place, I'd be saying the very same thing you're saying. I'd feel just as you do. I I certainly agree with you. Well, what can a person do can't fight you anymore if you're agreeing with him, you see? (laughs) So express love and agreement with your critic wherever you can. And the Lord, I think, will see you through. Keep on doing, number four, keep on doing what you know, K-N-O-W underscored, what you know God has told you to do. And oh, how wonderful it is when you see him leading and guiding and when his leadership produces the approval of other people, finally. There have been some folk in my lifetime who have criticized me roundly on some things, and a few years later they would write a letter and say, you know, I'm, I'm, I just rejoice in what the Lord has done through you, and so on and so on and so on. Give God time with your critics. You don't have to answer them. You don't have to fight them. You don't have to defend yourself. Just give God time with your critics and keep on keep on obeying him. Good idea? Our Lord Jesus didn't answer their criticism. He did give them, however, a spiritual principle that we're going to take up the next time that we get together. Dear Father, today, help us to learn from our critics, help us to love them, and help us to keep on serving Thee. In Jesus' name I ask it, amen. Till I meet you once again by way of radio, walk with the King today and be a blessing.